What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? When the RTI Vietnamese Services, VFAM, walked into my studio a few months back with a question about English pronunciation, I didn't realize I was meeting a TV star for the first time. I don't watch much TV to begin with, and we in the English service don't see much of our Vietnamese colleagues, separated as we are by a long corridor. But I've been learning Vietnamese for something like a year and a half, and here I thought was someone who could help me when I have questions about Vietnamese pronunciation. We struck up a conversation, and then a friendship. V has even managed to get me to do an embarrassing interview about learning Vietnamese, carefully editing what clumsy bits of the language I've managed to acquire. But when I saw her recently in an advertisement, I realized there was still a lot I didn't know about her. I didn't know she had an outside career acting in ads and TV dramas. I had no idea she was expecting a second child either. And I didn't know how or why she had come to RTI, or even Taiwan for that matter. So, I thought that since she had interviewed me, it might be nice to interview her for a change. And not just about her own story either. V knows all sorts of people in the Vietnamese community here, and she has her finger firmly on the pulse of Vietnamese immigrants, workers, and students alike. So, she can tell us something also about how her life in Taiwan compares to the average Vietnamese person here. To start with, V lays out the picture of how many Vietnamese people there are here. She estimates the total number is around 600,000, if you include immigrants, migrant workers, and students in that number. That 600,000 breaks down in an interesting regional way. Most immigrants come from the south of Vietnam, while most migrant workers come from the north. Here's what happened. He says that in the 1990s, when Vietnam first opened up to foreign businesses, Taiwanese firms first headed to the south, especially to the economic center around Ho Chi Minh City. Taiwanese businessmen, and Vietnamese women in particular, have therefore had several decades to become well acquainted, fall in love, and relocate back to Taiwan as married couples. In the early days, V says, this was often a bit of a transaction, with matchmaking companies helping to introduce prospective couples and seal the deal. These days, though, changing ideas about love and the ready availability of dating apps means that the surviving matchmaking companies have mostly had to turn instead to working as consultants, helping deal with the paperwork and legal issues that always face international couples. Northerners, by contrast, have come to Taiwan because the government has encouraged them to do so, Fee says. Of course, they'll send money back home, and that'll help with local developments. And when we say northerners, we don't mean people from Hanoi. V says it's the northern countryside that supplies the bulk of workers here. In recent years, there's also been a wave of Vietnamese students, and these come from all over the country, V says. V herself came to Taiwan 16 years ago. She says she was an 18-year-old student fresh out of high school. Her goal at first was to study Chinese, but then after a while, she decided to stay on for university here. There were relatively few Vietnamese students here back then. Most of them opted, as they still do, for Japan, South Korea, Singapore, or somewhere in the West. 
At her school, where she studied TV and radio broadcasting, she was the only Vietnamese person. She joined RTI's Vietnamese service upon graduation and later met her Taiwanese husband. 2007年之後,那時候開始開放FM頻道. It turns out that her work at RTI is a little bit different than mine, or the work of my English service colleagues. For one thing, she's not targeting an exclusively foreign audience. Of course, the Vietnamese service is part of our shortwave operation, which actually targets Vietnamese speakers worldwide, in Vietnam itself, of course, but also the many other countries around the world where Vietnamese people have migrated. But since 2007, we've also had a domestic FM frequency for the Vietnamese service. So while the English service might focus on news, local culture, and human interest stories, the Vietnamese service, well, they do all that too, but they also have to cover some more practical ground, things like how to communicate in Chinese, and details about labor law for an audience that lives here. Of course, as we've already hinted, V's done a lot more than just host radio programs. Her acting days, it turns out, started much earlier than her radio career. During her time at university, she interned at RTI, where a Vietnamese service host asked if she would like to act in a TV show. V said sure, thinking she'd just be cast as an extra and earn a little pocket change. After auditioning, though, it turned out she'd landed a role as one of the lead characters. At the center of this drama were the lives and struggles of a group of Vietnamese women who'd immigrated to Taiwan. The whole script was based on true stories. After appearing in this series, people began recognizing her on the street and even asking for autographs. These days, she's still hosting events and starring in ads like the one I saw not long ago. But though directors have kept approaching her since that series aired, she says she's discovered that she doesn't really like acting in front of the camera. That role just suited her, she felt, and she hasn't felt that way about any role she's been offered since. Her love, in any case, is the radio. These early years in Taiwan were well before Taiwan's current pivot towards Southeast Asia, the so-called New Southbound Policy. This policy has been a game-changer in several ways, both for Vietnamese people's interest in Taiwan versus other places, and in terms of how Taiwanese people view Vietnam. It used to be that studying in Taiwan was something that no one in Vietnam really considered. When V first announced she was coming here, people assumed she was coming here to get married, as many other Vietnamese women were doing. But in recent years, she says, generous scholarships introduced with the new southbound policy have created a buzz about studying in Taiwan. The conditions students from Vietnam are offered are just too good to refuse. And so, COVID notwithstanding, they're coming in large numbers. Another thing the southbound policy has done has encouraged more than just wives and laborers to come here. These days, people from all walks of Vietnamese life come to Taiwan as students or business people or tourists as well. V says this gives people in Taiwan a much clearer picture of what Vietnam really is and how fast it's advancing and becoming rich. Unfortunately, it seems there's at least one initiative introduced as part of the policy that might only have limited results. That's the introduction last year of Southeast Asian language classes for elementary school kids. The key reason is that these classes are very short and only take place once a week. And V says she understands. It's not like there's any other class they can take time out of. She says that Taiwanese kids are so busy with evening classes and private tutoring after regular school, not to mention all the homework. 
there just isn't time to shove another subject into all that. And outside school, the natural environment for learning just isn't there for most of the kids. But V isn't letting all this deter her from keeping her Vietnamese roots alive and well, or for trying to pass on the culture and language to her own kids. She has a two-year-old, and as we've said, is expecting a second child. For herself, she says, the best way to keep her Vietnamese heritage alive is by socializing. Like we said, she has all kinds of Vietnamese friends here, and staying in touch with them is what helps keep her from forgetting her roots. Passing on those roots to her kids may be a bit harder. She gives as an example her sister's Taiwan-born child. This child has grown up natively bilingual, but until recently, if you talk to her in Vietnamese, she would only ever answer in Chinese. It's something many bilingual families have probably seen with their own children. And in any case, V says, she only has a certain amount of time alone with her children each day. When her husband's around, or his relatives, she doesn't feel it's right to be speaking a different language from everyone else. Plus, they're kids. You can't give them formal classes or lecture them on Vietnam's culture and history. V's strategy so far has been to tell her kid stories in Vietnamese, and talk to the kid in Vietnamese in an everyday sort of way whenever no one else is around. She believes all this will just build up over time to allow her kids, like her sisters, to at least understand. Her kids also belong to a younger generation than their cousins. This generation is filled with half-Vietnamese Taiwanese people just like her kids, people who will grow up proud of both sides of their heritage. I am John Van Trieste, still a little starstruck here, and I'll see you again next week.